We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys. It's Watt Harris here with another Panther Ranch podcast. It's a, uh, well, at least here it's a jury Thursday. As we get close to the weekend. And of course, a big Saturday coming up at Heinz Field. So, let's get to it. Um, we'll start off. First of all, I, um,. This I'm watching yesterday of working from home. I see that the uh, both uh, basketball teams for Pitt men's and Pitt women's are up and running. They had their first games. Pitt men's had theirs on Tuesday, and uh, Pitt women's had theirs yesterday morning. I think it was around 11 a.m. They had theirs. It was 10 a.m. my time, so I had it, so I flipped it on. All enough for the Pitt men's. They uh, start off slow. Obviously, when you have a young team, you're having jitters. I know that some of these guys, obviously, you know, they have a year under their belts. But new coach, new staff. And, of course, there are some new players that are they're playing, new starters. But, uh, you know, some things I saw that I liked. I mean, I, as I brought up, and somebody mentioned this as well to me. Well, for one thing, it, su- it sucks to lose Parker Stewart and Marcus Carr, but I do like um, I do like our backcourt a hell of a lot better than I did last year. I think with Xavier Johnson, Trey McGowan's, they're young, obviously, but these guys can move, can move, they can create things, and I think they're just going to create more havoc. I mean, one thing we do miss for Parker Stewart is we miss. It'd be nice to have a you know a sharpshooter in him because he'd be a great compliment to these guys. That's one thing I you know I can say that we're you know we're obviously going to miss. Marcus Carr, I think he'll be a good you know a decent player in Minnesota. I think he's more suited in the Big Ten than he is in the ACC. I just think with the guys we have now, they're more assertive. They can fly to the hoop. And they can create things. And, and pretty much that's what they're, they're going to have to do for the most part. Because we, we don't have much of a front court right now. We lack an inside presence. I mean, we have Terrell Brown. He's not bad, but we need more guys. We have Sham Stevenson as well. But again, like I said, again, we need, we need more bigs. And obviously, that's obvious. You know, that should be pretty much one of the priorities in recruiting is getting a big. But my thing is, is if we can land a, a, a decent big, 
I'd be more happy landing more more talented guards and small forwards if we had to. Because I don't want to. I want them to recruit a big, like a power forward or a center. I don't recruit. I don't want them recruiting a guy just to be a body. Because at the end of the day, he's just a body, and he's taking up. He's taking up a scholarship. At this point, Pitt needs to recruit the best players available and get the best players and most talented. And if it means more guards and small forwards, and so be it. But we can't have we can't recruit bigs or just bodies, and they're not they're not really set for the ACC. You know, it's they got they got to have or they, or they don't at this point. So we can only hope you know that part of it works out. But um, as far as you know, as far as you know, inside as well. I mean, you know, what I do like about the, the our backcourt is they can drive to the hoop. They can, they can create. Opportunities, especially in, especially inside, if we're having issues there, there, I saw that where they're able to draw defenders, get the guy open underneath, and dish the ball out. I mean, obviously, we're not going to you know play in the big you know in the NCAA tournament anytime soon, but I felt watching that game, it was less painful what we saw last year. I mean, granted, they did finish, I think, 8-5 and five in their non-conference schedule last year, despite, you know, some really bad starts. I mean, they lost the, they start off losing the Navy, you know, Navy and some other crappy teams. Although they did manage to beat, well, they did, yeah, they did manage to beat, yeah. They did manage to beat Duquesne. Thank God. They eight five last year. We thought that they would win, win at least one or two ACC games. And they didn't. Of course, they gave their name a game in the ACC tournament, and it was you know we thought maybe it was you know maybe they were starting to, it was starting to look up, but at the end of the day, it gave you know Heather you know, an opportunity to get a clean break from um, the coach. That was hired, and bringing somebody new, and of course, Capel was the right hire because we needed some, we needed an ACC guy, a blue blood, to say the least, because Kevin Stallings just wasn't it. I think at this point with Stallings, he was more of a day and e type, or he had success in a long time for a school, where he's probably better suited a smaller school, smaller program, but. He got his big buyout, so I'm sure he's probably somewhere vacationing with his kids or his wife, whatever. Now, as far as the women's program goes, I watched that game. They played Central Florida and Central Florida last year. They were 22 and 10. They were 12 and 4 in the AAC, but they uh, ended up in the women's NIT. And if you look really at their strength of schedule, it really wasn't all that great either. And I'm not sure the AAC is much to look at because UConn pretty much runs that conference in terms of women's hoops. But still, 20-plus win team, pit-faced. The women led for most of the game. Actually, most I think for about a good two and a half quarters they led. 
they start off hot in the first period, and it, it was, you know, they were on pace to beat uh, the women. They were on pace to beat UCF, uh, forty-eight to twelve, I think, is what it was. I mean, that's how you know that's how uh, you know, big this was. But of course, Central uh, Florida turned up the pressure, and the Pitt women faced a lot of double teams in their own offensive zone. And it created a lot of havoc and led to a lot of turnovers. And the, and the, the, the crappy part was the Central Florida was able to convert a lot of those turnovers and the points. And that's where a lot of they got a lot of their um, a lot of their points from was turnovers. They were down there. I mean, and Central Florida eventually took a lead. They were up thirty-five to thirty. Then the Pitt women went an eleven-zero run to make it forty-one thirty-five. But then. Um, Central Florida outscored them the rest of the way. I think it was uh, 26 to uh, 13. Yeah, they outscored 26 13 to end the game. Pitt women had a shot at the end to tie it and go to overtime. They, they, they ended up bricking two threes. And that was that. But um, as far as women goes, they, they defended a lot. They were very ferocious on the defensive end. They had a lot of energy, which reflects off their coach. It's just they made a lot of mistakes. I mean, they made some really bad passes as well. Some really, I mean, a lot of them were like were careless passes. So, uh, I hope that uh, you know Lance White, you know, takes some time and film to work on some of these things. Because I mean, obviously, there's you know with the, with the women, this is a team that was really bad last year, and they lost some. Uh, they lost, you know, their best players. He's going to need a lot out of them. But you have to hope that the ship doesn't sail. Because he's obviously a nice guy, has a lot of energy, but I just hope he's very demanding of these as well because you don't want to be a nice guy to your, your, your players. And, of course, sometimes you're too nice. It's all right for them to screw up and keep losing. But anyways, if you got time, check a Pitt women's game out. It looks looks really good. Now we got the Pitt, Pitt football coming up. They're at Virginia Ticket at you know at the three thirty kickoff, so no noon game, and hopefully no crappy ACC network to deal with as well. You know, which means people like me can actually turn on the television and watch a game for once. But as far as the game goes itself. Virginia Tech is, uh, you know, defensively is a show of its former self. They're they're near the bottom in, in pass defense. So if, if Pitt really wants to get their offensive, um, you know, their passing game going, this would be a good team to do it against. I mean, I'll, I'll, I wouldn't expect them to, get, to go forward like you know, have Kenny Pickett start slinging the ball like Dan Marino. Well, at least you know. Get some short, get some short passes, some screen plays. Because obviously, you know, Tech can't defend it. And of course, that running game as well. Get that going, because obviously that's what you got at this point. But um, I expect some, uh, I expect some also some play actions to Maurice French as well. I expect that to happen, and I won't complain about that either. 
just as long as we're hitting the receiver and not throwing picks. I would like to see him get the ball in the hands of Aaron Matthews more. Because, you know, he had a nice little catch against Duke, catch against Duke. Well, not Duke, I mean Virginia, I'm sorry. It seems we have some some talented athletes at receiver. It just gave him the ball is just a big issue. But offensively, supposedly Tech is uh, has a very high highly talented quarterback. I watched him play and I wasn't really that impressed with him. He's more he's more like a, a little he's a notch above Pickett, and that's not really saying much at this point. But um, their offensive line isn't all that great, so. If Pick can get to him like they did, you know, like they did with Virginia, I think they'll have no problems. It just depends on which pit defense shows up. If it's the one that um, is uh, Laxadays going to Duke, or is it the one that at Virginia where they just beat the shit out of them? So I'm hoping it's the latter, the one that beats the shit, because I don't want you know any of this high scoring crap. But let's let's also not forget as highly talented as Virginia Tech was. Last year, Pitt came within a um, you know possession of putting that you know of winning it, or at least let alone sing it to overtime. Jester Weir just could not run that last guy. That was all. But um, you know, with that, we know what happened there. Whereas. We made some bad play calls, and for one thing, at the time, Pickett was on a on a roll, and you let your quarterback finish the job, and we called some really bad running plays, and that was that. But this time around, I think I think Pitt will be able to take him because Beamer Ball really isn't the sh- you know isn't there no more, and the Bud Foster defense is a shell of his former self. I think if um, in the case of Tech, if they're gonna, if they're a clean house, I think Bud Foster probably goes. If anything, that guy probably just needs a change of scenery. But um, depending on how the game goes, if your team wins, it's probably going to be by a touchdown. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's probably going to be like a low scoring, 24-17, 28-21 type of game. I don't see it you know, being anything higher than that. Now, if you look at the rest of the, um, the college football weekend... Well, tonight we have a game. We have Wake, we have an ACC Thursday night game. Wake at NC, NC State. NC State is still, despite the, some losses, they're 14th ranked, which is odd. But they should be able to handle Wake, and Wake just not have a good season this year. It seemed like they were they, they were coming on last year, but it's one of those things where I guess where it's a sophomore type of thing with uh, the new coach. Or the newer coach, I should say. Friday night, we got another ACC matchup. We got Syracuse and Louisville. Louisville is terrible, and Syracuse should be able to handle them with no problems. I'm not sure what's happened with Louisville, but even with uh, Lamar Jackson, they were, they were, for the most part, a mediocre football team last year, and if anything, maybe Lamar, you know, uh, he 
cover up a lot of things. And it's easy to do when you have a, when you when you have a really good offensive player. Good offense tends to uh, cover up you know a lot of deficiencies. Same with a bad defense as well. I mean, good, I mean not bad defense, a good defense. West Virginia goes as it will be at home against TCU. TC was highly talented early in the year, but. Uh, they have a good defense. It's just their uh, offense really sputtered this year, and it hasn't gone any better. But um, this game's at Morgantown, and I think that the Big 12 has been more, I guess you could say, accommodating the West Virginia in terms of scheduling. Because when I, I remember when they first started Big 12 play, they they won a big uh, game against Texas at Austin. And they were, I guess, they put, we put them to 5-0, I believe. And I thought that at the time... The Big 12 was theirs to lose because they were playing so good. But then the next week, they had to fly out to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. And I figured that if the way this, this traveling is going for them, if this keeps up, they're not they're not ever going to be able to compete the way they want to in the Big 12 because they have to keep flying out for these freaking games back-to-back. But here they're at home, and they should be able to take care of TCU because it's a big game. There's playoffs on the line, and I'm, sh- I'm sure Morgantown's going to pack this is going to be filled because it's because West Virginia is winning. When West Virginia doesn't have a, a good product, the fans don't show up. So don't believe all that bullshit that they uh, that they actually consistently fill their stadium. Their stadium isn't like uh, they they talk about filling their stadium like it's like it's Penn State on a on a, on a Saturday afternoon, and it really isn't the case at all. When their team isn't good, their stadium's half is half empty. Wisconsin, Penn State. Now this is out. This game's at Penn State. I think uh, Penn State handles Wisconsin. I'm not sure what happened to Paul Chris's team, but Wisconsin has a good. You know, they they can run, they can defend. It's just they can't throw. And Alex Hornibrook got all this really. Um, he got all this hype from last year. Now, I don't understand why. People said that he was going to be the guy this year you know, to look out for in terms of quarterback. And I, and I thought to myself, this guy can barely play, let alone complete a pass. I mean, in the Big Twelve, the Big Ten title game, he was, he was horrible. So, what, I mean, what, what exactly is going to improve with him? From year one to year, from the from the from this past year to this year, I mean, at this point, Alex Hornibrook just is what he is, and he's not going to get any better. He's a poor man's Tyler Palco, and, and good lord, he's not even close to that. If we're being, you know, for being, that's being generous, because he's not really close to that at all. I mean, I was bummed when we lost to we decommitted the pick to go follow Paul Christ. But thank God he did, because he's he's really bad. And I believe uh, Wisconsin does have a really good quarterback in the wings. It just he's I think he's it's either he's not on campus yet or he's not ready yet. But I'm sure uh, that's the thing with the Paul, Bob, Bob Wisconsin teams are they're really good. It's just that they never have a good quarterback. 
if they would ever have a serviceable quarterback, they would win more games. I mean, they, they did have Russell Wilson one year, but of course, Brett Bolima was their coach. And they had a whole bunch of brain farts. You know, with the team they had that year with, with Russell Wilson, they should have went undefeated that year and probably played for a national championship. But they had some brain fart losses because that's what Bolima teams would do. And at the end of the day, you know, his final his final season, they uh, they won, they won the Big Ten title. He dropped semi on his opponent. and He left to go to Arkansas. But a lot of people will tell you is that Bolima really didn't do a whole lot. It was more he had really good assistant coaches, and they pretty much did all the work. And he was just the uh, CEO. But of course, when he had to go to a new place. He obviously couldn't hire the coaches that he had. Now we have a Big Ten, a big, big, a huge Big Ten match between Ohio State and Michigan State. Ohio State needs to keep themselves in line for the College Football Playoff. It's at Michigan State. On paper, I would think Michigan State will win this game, but Ohio State has really good athletes. But, uh, but of course, they suck on offense as well. They they're you know they're overrated for the most part. I think D'Antonio gives them a game, but I think Michigan State finds a way to lose this one, like they always do. Because they just have better athletes. But you know, like I said, I'm not a good gambling person. I'm not a good picking person, obviously, because I've been wrong. So I've been really bat- wrong. So uh, these past weeks. So if you're betting, you probably want to go the other way. And of course, there's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That's a big game. Oklahoma State just choked away a game against Baylor. So Oklahoma should have no problem winning this game. Winning this game. Auburn and Georgia. Auburn, for some reason, is still ranked, and I have no idea why. They suck. Georgia should handle them with no problem. Well, it depends which Georgia team shows up. If it's the one that, you know, it's sleepwalks or the one that, you know, goes and takes care of business. But I think, you know, Georgia at this point wants to take care of business. I think they've learned their lesson. LSU got Arkansas, and that should be no big deal there because Arkansas is terrible for the most part. Uh, Texas and Texas Tech. I think Tech, I think Tech uh, wins that one. Tech that loves to pull up points up, and I just don't think that uh, Texas can hold, keep that pace up. I think uh, Tom Herman, you know, finds something else to cry about, and they lose this one as well. I mean, he's starting to have a meltdown now. He just seems like he comes off as a real petty bitch when he loses games. I mean, it's part of your growing pains, dude. You, you've been hired. They hired you to actually get this program back to winning. Suck it up. Um, a big, giant ACC matchup Saturday night. Clemson and Boston College. Now, we talk about the idea of Pitt, that Pitt could give uh, Clemson a hard time. And it could beat them, maybe, because, you know, Pitt does that where they just, where they're heavily an underdog and they, they pull wins out of their ass like this. But Boston College has been playing really, really good this year. Nadazio's done a hell of a job. 
But we saw what happened with NC State and uh, Clemson. Clemson took care of business, but BC has been known, but has been known at times to pull this pull this crap as well. But I think that uh, I think BC will, will put up more of a fight. But I think Clemson wins this one. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout, though. But anyways, guys, that should wrap up the weekend for the college football. In fact, let me look through the uh, rest of the games here. Oh, there's North Carolina at Duke. Oh, that's a huge matchup. Although it's not basketball, though. I think uh, Duke take care, takes care of this one, and obviously it makes the, and of course another week where we talk, we bitch about the North Carolina loss. Liberty, Virginia, Virginia, I think recovers and takes care of that. That looks like an easy game. Miami, Georgia Tech, really nice matchup here. I think um, Georgia Tech is going bowling because Miami is just falling apart the heels. And, of course, there's Notre Dame. Oh, I left this one out. Third-ranked Notre Dame against uh, Florida State. Now, Ian Book, it's been announced that he'll be out for this game because of a rib injury. But Florida State is really bad. So I think of Notre Dame just, uh, you know, plays it safe. Because the, the guy that they had was initially the start before Book replaced him. He should take care of that as well. Now, um, so that wraps the college football weekend. At least the, the quote-unquote preview. Now, Levy and Bell are supposed to coming back. I'm not sure how this bodes for James Conner, but Levy and Bell obviously has been tweeting upside down letters, and I get it. I don't really fault Levian Bell for what he did. He took a calculated risk because he wanted to get paid what he felt was that he deserved. And hey, we all feel we, we we all feel we deserve a certain pay. But it's part. It's but there's a fine line between being realistic and feeling what you deserve because we all we all because we all work hard. We all feel that we're under. Sometimes we're under we're underpaid for what we do, and we should deserve more. So. Our option is to go put resumes out and see what we can get. But you have to be careful when you do it, and you have to be discre- discreet about it because people find you're looking for jobs. It won't be good. For, it, you know, it doesn't really bode well, especially when a company wants to make you know make make you know budget cuts. They're usually the first to go. Levian Bell took a risk and it backfired. Mainly because he felt he could hold the Steelers hostage. But then, of course, James Conner really came up, came on. And, you know, the, and then you have, you know, the argument where is 
was Le'Veon Bell good? Was Le'Veon Bell good because of the system the Steelers run? Because James Conner was able to come in and pick pick it right up, or just James Conner's overall better? Because Conner's obviously a lot quicker. He's a lot younger and he's a lot more healthier now. Whereas you know, whereas the latter, Bell hasn't been you know Bell has had a hard time finishing a full season, although he did finish for full one last year. And it, it was, you know, before that, it, it was either he got suspended or he got injured around playoff time because the year the Steelers went to the, uh, I believe it was the AFC title game against New England, he was hurt. And we had we had no one to help out running back. We had, uh, there was a backup he, that wasn't too bad. I forget the freak his name was. D'Angelo Hall, I believe, or Russell. No, that's basketball. D'Angelo Williams, I believe. It was one of those guys. Well, he's good. He was good. He just wasn't looking on Bell good. I believe he wasn't healthy for that game either. So of course it, it made a lot of things a lot easier for the Steelers to lose that game because they had no uh, no, no running back option. So now as Bell comes back, he hasn't really played all season, and, and I, I sincerely hope he's been training because you'd hate to see him coming out of shape. Either that or he, or he, or he signs his tender and he, um, you know, just rides the bench, comes in reserve. I mean, anything what he should be doing is coming in and playing because he's going to need... He's going to need something to sell the next team he plays for because if he does, if he comes in and plays like shit, they're not going to they're going to give him anything next year. They're going to say, "Well, you set up most of last year, and of course, uh, you came in, you're out of shape, and you didn't play good. So we're not going to give you whatever you want. The hell with you." So. I hope he's staying in shape, and I, you know, if he does, I mean, he has to he has to really come and perform because if he doesn't, well, he really he really uh, overplayed his hand, and the Steelers obviously are still winning without him, and they're at, and, you know obviously Connor's having a hell of a season, but it'd be good to have a nice little back to compliment Connor as well, because you want somebody to give Connor a break. So, hopefully that works out. And, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyways, guys, I'm going to close up here. And, um, you know, I hope you all voted. Because we all need to. You know, I know... A lot of you guys follow me. You probably listen to this podcast, and um, we all have different. We all we, we all have, we all have different political leanings, whether they're uh, left, right, middle of the road, extreme left, extreme right, whatnot. But one thing we all know for one thing we all know for certain is we all have to vote. Because one thing in particular is we all have the same amount of votes, and it's one vote, and we have to use it. Because if we don't. It's something that could be easily taken away from us. 
and regardless of who the, the candidates are, if you hate them or not, you you still still you gotta get out and vote, and you gotta use it. Because if you don't show up for the polls, your voice isn't heard, and it's a, and the less voices means you know more control. So. Always use that thing. I mean, I mean, my dad's a veteran. He's a Vietnam vet, bronze star medalist. You know, for bravery, obviously. You know, I, I remember one time I didn't vote in the presidential election, and I think it was the I think it was the I'm trying to think which one that was. It was the Bush, yeah, it was the George Bush, uh, Al Gore election. I didn't vote because I hated both candidates, and I thought it was. I was one of, and of course I was, you know, still in college, and I didn't vote. And my dad, you know, being a veteran as as he is, was really pissed off about it. I mean, he was really, really mad. And he said, uh, "You didn't vote." And I said, "No." Uh, and he said, "Why the hell did you vote?" And I said, "Because I didn't like the candidates. They're both idiots." It was pointless for me to go to the polls. And I remember my dad chewing me out at the dinner table uh, over it. And pretty much he said, you know what? I don't know what it is, but but ne- he said, but next he said that's a horrible excuse. He said, I don't know what your deal is, but next time that happens, you need to get your ass out there to the polls and vote. He said, because that's your duty. You know, basically he told me, as an American, that's my duty. To get out and vote. And, you know, I didn't really get it at that point. But now, years and years later, I do now. You know, now that I've been through the, you know, been through uh, out of college into the real world working. You know, I get it all now from him. As to why I was, you know, I, I had to do this. So, we all may disagree on a lot of things, but we can all agree on one thing. We have to get out and vote. And to keep doing it. But anyways, guys. Have a good weekend. Have fun. Hell to pit. Let's hope for a good-ass showing at Heinz. Because I know we're trying out all the all-time greats. We're trying out James Conner, Tony Dorsett. Let's hope for a much different result than we've had any time we've done this. Bye, guys.